بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم We continue the discussion on the book of fasting from بلوغ المرام وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال جاء رجل إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال هلكت يا رسول الله قال وما أهلكك قال وقعت على امرأتي في رمضان فقال هل تجد ما تعتق رقبة قال لا قال فهل تستطيع أن تصوم شهرين متتابعين قال لا قال فهل تجد ما تطعم ستين مسكينا قال لا ثم جلس فأتي النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بعرق في أبيه تمر فقال تصدق بهذا قال هل تستطيع أن تصوم شهرين متتابعين قال لا قال فهل تجد ما تطعم ستين مسكينا قال لا ثم جلس فأتي النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بعرق فيه تمر فقال تصدق بهذا فقال على أفقر منا فضحك النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم حتى بدت أنيابه ثم قال اذهب فأطعمه أهلك رواه السبعة واللفظ لمسلم in the hadith of Abu Hurairah عنه that a man came to the Prophet وسلم, and said O oh, Messenger of Allah I am ruined he asked him what has ruined you he replied I had intercourse with my wife during Ramadan I had intercourse with my wife during Ramadan. He then asked him, can you get a slave to free? He said, no. He asked, can you fast two consecutive months? He said, no. He asked, can you provide food for 60 poor people? He said, no. He then sat down. Meanwhile, an araq uh, or a basket uh, containing, uh, containing uh, dates, uh, tamar, uh, of dates was brought uh, 30 sa'a of dates was brought to the Prophet and he said give this as uh, sadaqa as a charity the man said am I to give it to one who is poorer than we are there is no family between the two mountains of Medina more in need of it than mine the Prophet thereupon laughed till his premolar teeth appeared he then said, go and feed it, your family, with it. And this is reported by the Saba, the seven. And, uh, and uh, this narration and this wording is that of Muslim. Now, narrated by the seven, the seven are Al-Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawood, Al-Tirmidhi, Al-Nasai, Ibn Majah, and Ahmad. Rajul, a man, so he was not appointed, unknown, and there is no necessity to know him in particular, because what is intended is knowing the case and what it entails regarding rulings under situations of this nature. 
So he came to the Prophet والسلام, and he said, I am ruined. Uh, what was the reason is that he, when he was uh, asked about the reason, he said he had intercourse with his wife, uh, meaning during the day of Ramadan, while he was fasting. So he inquired about him as to what is entailed upon him by this action in terms of the expiation. Can you get a slave to free? To free from slavery? He said no. Can you fast? Can you fast two consecutive months? He said no. And then can you feed 60? Can you feed provide food for 64 people? He said no. These are three methods. Uh, freeing a slave fasting and then feeding the poor then he sat and uh, he was brought the dates brought, uh, the Prophet ﷺ was brought the dates because the companions used to bring these things the dates and the like and the food so that the Prophet ﷺ distributes them to the poor so he said uh, then if you don't have this, then go and, and uh, take this as a charity. Give it as a charity. Give it as a sadaqah. Charity. And so he said, Ala afqara minna. Am I have to give it to one who is poorer than we are? Then he asserted this by saying that there is none in Medina between the two mountains of the city of Medina more in need uh, of it than himself and his family. The Prophet left until his premolar teeth appeared. Then he said, take and feed to your family or your family with it. In this noble hadith there are many, many benefits. Uh, the Imam Ibn Hajar rahimahullah, uh, related that some of the scholars deduced one thousand benefits from this hadith. If this is correct and there was no excessiveness or exaggeration regarding this, it is that some people may derive a benefit and then have sub-benefits deduced from it. And so, for example, a single benefit may lead to sub to ten sub-benefits and so, and therefore the benefits will amplify. And it is mentioned that Al-Imam Al-Shafi'i, one of the greatest scholars and one of the four uh, Imams, uh, notable Imams, uh, it is mentioned that he, Rahimahullah, came as a guest one time <coughs> on Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, the renowned and great notable Imam also, one of the great four Imams. Imam Ahmad used to love Al-Shafi'i and praised him a lot uh, in front of his family. Uh, so al-Shafi'i came as a guest, and Imam al-Shafi'i then was uh, <coughs> Imam, when he was his guest, Imam Ahmad served the food, and Imam al-Shafi'i ate all the food. And the 
bowel retained empty. Then he stayed that night and did not offer the tahajjud prayer, the late night prayers. How come? Because he didn't ask for wudu, for water to make the ablution. Then he left upon the adhan, when the call for adhan al-fajr, for the dawn prayer, he left for the prayers. He didn't ask for wudu. He didn't ask for water to make the ablution. So some of the family members of Imam Ahmed said to Imam Ahmed, Oh Father, this is the Imam Shafi whom you used to praise a lot. He ate a lot. When the Prophet said, Sufficient for the, for the son of Adam to have some uh, any food to uh, strengthen his backbone and if it's a must then uh, he should have third for his food third for his drink and third for his breath while this man Imam Shafi ate all that which is in the pot or in the dish or in the bowel or yes and he did not uh, get up for the late night prayers and this is not fitting for an imam of this magnitude and uh, status like an imam Shafi and also he left for Fajr and he prayed without wudu without ablution this is catastrophic so Imam Ahmed said I will uh, tell him I will talk to him so Imam Ahmed talked to him about it and Imam Shafi answered as to the much food I don't know anyone in this city whose food is more halal more lawful than the food of Imam Ahmed and so I felt to fill my belly with it uh, even so therefore he filled it because of a benefit what is it because it is halal lawful and as to the fact that uh, I did not uh, I did not get up for tahajjud that is because I was deducing benefits from the hadith of the Prophet والسلام, when he when he teased that uh, that boy uh, whose nickname is Aba uh, Umair, uh, he was a young boy in Medina who had a small bird. Uh, he had a small bird, uh, and he was so happy with his bird, so happy with it. And uh, when the bear died, he became sad because his beloved one died. And it was from the good character of the Prophet ﷺ to tease and comfort and play the, uh, the kids. Uh, and so he said, Ya Aba Umair, Ya Aba Umair, uh, teasing him with a nickname, Ya Aba Umair, Ma fa'ala al-Nughayr, what did the Nughayr do? And Nughayr is the name of the bird, name of a bird, uh, small bird. So he was comforting him and teasing him. Uh, so he, Imam Shafi, he said, I was thinking about this hadith and I was deducing the benefits from it. And I deduced 400 benefits from this hadith. I deduced 400 benefits and that's why I was awake uh, the night uh, busy with the uh, deduction from the benefits of this hadith uh, concerning this boy and his little bird. <coughs> and as to uh, me going to the Fajr, 
without making wudu that is because I stayed on my original wudu my, my wudu was not nullified my ablution was not nullified so I didn't want to bother Imam Ahmed to bring me any uh, water to make wudu so Imam Ahmed returned Imam Ahmed returned to his family and told them and uh, they praised him Alhamdulillah for that so the point is here to examine what Imam Shafi'i Rahimahullah mentioned that he was able to deduce 400 benefits from this hadith of the boy and his bird and some of them said even more so the point here therefore is that some of the scholars Rahimahullah Allah gives them a keen understanding in deductions of the rulings from the evidences so from a single ruling uh, a scholar may deduce much more than others uh, uh, may do from the benefits of this hadith uh, the first benefit is the uh, openness the openness and uh, yeah, openness of the sahaba uh, concerning their situations uh, explicit wording and statements they may say in order to know the rulings so this man who came to the Prophet ﷺ and after having intercourse with his wife during the day of Ramadan he said Halakt, I am ruined so he so he attested attested upon himself and was not shy nor did he nor did he reject or, or, or uh, deny but rather he said the truth and in, this is like the story of Ma'iz and Al-Ghamidiyya Ma'iz and Al-Ghamidiyya in their illegal uh, sexual uh, intercourse and the, uh, the adultery that they committed and they may Allah be pleased with them when they came repenting to the Prophet they told him explicitly as to what happened uh, now the second benefit of this hadith the, this man knew he knew that the intercourse during the day of Ramadan is forbidden how did he deduce this now the question is to the audience how did you do, how did you or how can you deduce rather this benefit that he knew that the, the, the intercourse is forbidden Hmm. when he said I am ruined yes when he said I am ruined now if someone says well maybe that the person maybe that the person did not know except after except after he had the intercourse so then he came asking and then it was told or he was told that this is forbidden and therefore consequently he said I am ruined now this is, had, is this a possibility? Now, this is in opposition to the origin. This is in opposition to the origin. Because if he had asked, he would have said, I asked. But he didn't say. He didn't say, I asked. But rather he said, I am ruined. And had he asked, and had he been told that this is clear, 
destruction, he would have made that clear. He would have made that clear. And that's why in the story of the hired worker, uh, who used to work for a man, and he committed adultery with his wife, with the man's wife. So the father of this young worker asked what is upon him. They said he is to be stoned to death. So the father said, I will ransom him, I will ransom him for hundred sheep and a slave girl. Then he said, I asked the people of knowledge. They said, there is no stoning on your son. There is hundred lashes on him and deportation for one year. And the stoning is on the wife with whom he committed the adultery because she is married. And when the Prophet ﷺ was asked to state the ruling regarding this matter, he said, I will judge between you by the book of Allah. This ransom of yours, the sheep and the slave girl, returned them because they were taken unjustly. And there is lashing, hundred lashes on your son, and deportation for one year. And there is a stoning on the wife of this man with whom the adultery was committed. Then the Prophet ﷺ said to Unais, Go to the wife of this individual, and if she confesses, then stone her. Why this hadith was reported now? This hadith is reported here because if this person who committed this intercourse during the day of Ramadan had asked the people of knowledge, he would have made that clear to the Prophet ﷺ. You understand? So this core possibility is excluded. The next benefit, the next benefit, the obligation to request details regarding general matters. Where is this deducted, this benefit? Where can you see it in the hadith? Yes, the man was asked, what, you know, what, what is it that made you ruined? Right? Ma ahlakak. What made you ruined? He, the Prophet ﷺ, did not bring on him a ruling after he said, I am ruined. But he required details. He asked him for details. So from this we know that the Mufti, the one who is asked for fatwa, if the case is presented to him in a general way, then he should request details. So, if the details are essential then, in this case, then it is inevitable that they be requested because the ruling will depend upon them.
But this does not necessitate, however, look at this, this does not necessitate, on the other hand, to ask for the lack of impediments. The difference between the two situations is clear. So, if a person says, he divorced his wife, and then he returned her, in a revocable divorce, shall we ask him, did you divorce her in a state of purity and uh, following a, an intercourse with her in a state of purity or not? Did you divorce her while she was in menses or not? Did you divorce her while you were sound or you were drunk? Did you divorce her while you were angry or not? This is not binding on us to ask. We ask by the apparent of the situation. And we say, you divorced your wife. Except if he claims the existence of an impediment. Here the ruling changes. Is that clear? The next benefit, the next benefit the permissibility to say Ramadan for the month of Ramadan without saying the month of Ramadan and that it is not obligatory to say Shahru Ramadan the month of Ramadan why? because some people of knowledge Rahimahumullah may Allah's mercy be upon them said that it is disliked for the person to say Ramadan but rather he should say Shahru Ramadan as in the Quran the month of Ramadan some of them even went to the extent to declare that this is unlawful and they took as an evidence a weak narration, rather a fabricated narration, which said, لا تقول رمضان فإنه من أسماء الله Don't say Ramadan because it is one of the names of Allah. This is fabricated without any doubt. Now, where in the hadith we have the evidence that it is permissible to say Ramadan? He replied, yes, when he said, I had intercourse with my wife during Ramadan, during Ramadan, طيب. So it is okay to say about the month of Ramadan, to mention it as Ramadan. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ approved it, right? He mentioned this in front of the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet approved. He didn't reject it. Now, the next thing in this hadith, we learn that the intercourse during the day of Ramadan entails the stiff expiation. The stiff expiation. Because he said, now you give the, you give the evidence, inshallah. The stiff expiation, which is manumit a slave, um, fasting uh, uh, two consecutive months, feeding the 64. Uh, is there something the like of this in the Sharia? Is there something like the like of this? Freeing a slave, if not then fast two consecutive months, if not then feed 60 people. This is the stiff expiation. Is there something in Islam also like the vihar? Yes. The vihar. What is the vihar? Someone says to his wife, you are to me like, what? 
like my mother's meaning unlawful no the back of my mother my mom's back this is this is the explanation for this is freeing a slave if not then fasting two consecutive months if not then feeding six to poor people no the fifth benefit of this hadith magnifying the severity of intercourse during the month of Ramadan this is because of the stiff ransom stiff expiation mentioned earlier and there is no expiation in the month in, in terms of breaking the fast in Ramadan except due to intercourse remember this if a traveler if a traveler makes intercourse with his wife is there anything on him no, no, there is nothing. However, you should remember that this must be during the month of Ramadan. And second, the fasting is obligated upon him. So therefore, the expiation requires two things. That the fasting is in Ramadan and that it is an obligation on the individual. In accordance with these two restrictions, if a person performs intercourse on a day which is a make-up day for a fasting he did in Ramadan is there kafara on him? is there expiation on him? the answer is no 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 second if he performs intercourse during Ramadan while fasting however his fasting is not an obligation as a traveler is there expiation on him? is there expiation on him? no expiation you see this happens uh, when a traveler and his wife they travel and he and his wife were fasting and during the day and during the day uh, he performs intercourse with his wife we say that the intercourse is allowable but now you broke your fast then there is a makeup on you but there is no expiation on you so therefore it is permissible for the a traveler to break his fast by performing the intercourse with his wife just like it is permissible for him to break his fast by eating or drinking so remember these two conditions what are the two conditions? can we repeat them? it must be a Ramadan and fasting obligated on this person the fasting is in Ramadan Yes, and the fast is obligated on the individual. The next benefit that the expiation for the intercourse during the day of Ramadan is ordered. Is ordered. How is this? How is this? Can you deduce this? It is ordered. Yes, 
he asked him, can you get a slave to free? He said no. He asked him, can you fast two consecutive months? He said no. He asked him, can you provide food for 60 poor people? He said no. So when he answered first no, then he gave him the second. This is in contrast, this is in contrast to the uh, ransom or the expiation of the um, of the harm in, uh, in, in Hajj. The Prophet said to Ka'ab bin Ujra, giving him the choice between the three, fasting or a charity or a sacrifice. Meaning if the person shaves his head because of harm in his head, then he is given the choice between the three, fasting or, cha- or, or giving a charity or sacrificing an animal. Uh, this is not the case in terms of the expiation in Ramadan, uh, for the intercourse in Ramadan. Uh, the next benefit, it is permissible for him to have intercourse with his wife at night before he expiates. How can you deduce this from the hadith? That it is permissible for him to have intercourse with his wife at night before he expiates. Anyone? He came during the day. No, no. You see, when he, when he told him of the expiation, huh? Did the Prophet ﷺ tell him, don't come close to her until you expiate? No. <laughs> That's it. That's it. If he had, then been, had this been required, what? The Prophet ﷺ would have made it clear to him, right? Right? This is in contrast with the Mubahir, the one who says to his wife, in the expiration of the one who says, you are like my mom's back. In that case, it is not permissible for him to have intercourse with his wife in this case until he expates. You see that? This is the difference between the two. The, the fasting of the two months must be consecutive. Because the Prophet ﷺ said to him, can you fast two consecutive months? So, if he breaks the fasting between these days, the consecutiveness is broken, it's a must upon him to restart the fasting from the beginning. Even if there remained for him one day to complete. Because the Prophet ﷺ conditioned that there must be two consecutive months. Yeah. And if he <coughs> does not make them consecutive, then in this case he is opposing the command of the Prophet ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ said, مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلًا لَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ أَمْرُنَا فَهُوَ رَدْ Whoever does a matter or an action which is not in accordance with our way, he will have it rejected. Now, suppose he breaks the fast due to an illegal excuse, like an illness, during the two months, illness which allows him to break the fast, and he breaks the fast. In this case, he continues and builds up on what he had done. How many days? He finished 20 days when he is healthy and recovers. He begins and he builds on the 20 Similarly, if he, fa- if he travels an allowable travel, in this case it is permissible for him to break the fast 
And in this case, this does not break the consecutiveness. And so he builds upon what he had accomplished. Yeah. Why? Because this, this, uh, this breaking of the fast is permissible during the month of Ramadan. So how about the ransom? And by all means, is that clear? Is that clear? Now, suppose, however, he travels, he travels in order to enjoy his travel only. And then he breaks the fast. Does this discontinue the consecutiveness or not? It does. In this case, he restarts all over. Because tricks that are meant to go around the obligations to drop them are of no benefit. Are of no benefit. Now, the next benefit here. If he repeats the intercourse in two days, then there is an expiation for each day. Expiation for each day. Now, what about if he repeats the intercourse in the single day? In this case, if he expiates for the first intercourse, then he must expiate for the second. However, if he did not expiate for the first one, then there is only one expiation on him. If he repeats the intercourse on two days, first day and then on the second day, then there is an expiation for each day. But if he repeats it in the single day and he expiates for the first one, then he must expiate for the second. But if he didn't expiate for the first, then sufficient for him is one expiation. What is required from him is to fast two consecutive months, even if these two months are incomplete. Why? Because the month is either complete 30 days or 29 days. So if both months came to be each 29, then there will be a total of what? 58. 58. What is considered here is the lunar the lunar month, not the number of days. Meaning, if he begins the fast during the month, not from the beginning. So, what is uh, recognized here and uh, reference is the two uh, lunar months. Fasting two lunar months, not the number of days. Is that clear? Right. The next benefit, the permissibility to say no. The permissibility to say no even if the addressed is a magnified person. How, how this is deduced from the hadith? Yes, the man answered no to the questions of the Prophet Every time he asked him something, he said no. No. Yes. It's not he refused, he said no. Next benefit, that the feeding must be for 60 poor people. So, if the person feeds ten, the food of sixty, then this is not sufficient. For, so, for example, it says, sixty poor people, he says, sufficient for them is sixty kilos of rice. So, he gives this to ten poor people. Is this sufficient? The answer is not. Because in this case he didn't feed sixty. 
Is that clear? The next benefit, that it is not conditioned in feeding the 60, possession of the food by them is not a condition. Why? Because the feeding can occur without the possession. So if he feeds 60 people on a dinner or on a lunch, then that is sufficient. Next benefit. But if someone says, I didn't find 60 people, but rather I found six people. Shall he feed them? And then his responsibility is clear. Or should we say, feed the six and seek the rest. Feed the six and seek the rest. The answer is the first answer. Feed them. Because if he continues to seek the rest, when he's going to be able to find them? Maybe he dies before he finds them. So we say, repeat on the six. So he will feed them now how many days? How many days? Ten. He feeds them ten. Ten days. Repeating them on the six. Yes. Now, the next benefit, the next benefit. If he is unable to feed the sixty, then the expiation drops. The evidence is that the Prophet ﷺ, when he was brought, when, when the date was brought to him, he said to this man, take this and give it as a charity. And then he said, oh, someone poorer than me? And he said, feed it to your people, to, to your family. He didn't say, when you become able, then you feed. You see the point? You see the point? The Prophet ﷺ didn't tell him, Oh, until when you will be able to do so, then feed. No. He kept silent. Had the feeding been something still required, in, still required on him, then the Prophet ﷺ would have made that clear to him. Because the man in this situation thinks that it's over. In addition, we have another evidence, other than this, that the obligations drop upon incapacity. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated in the Quran, فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ Fear Allah to the best of your ability. And Allah stated also, لَا يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا Allah does not burden a soul beyond its scope. Is that clear? In this, in this, there is another benefit in this hadith. The permissibility to tell that which is most likely on one's mind, on one's thinking, even though in reality the matter can be to the contrary. Can you deduce this benefit from the hadith? None. Yes, exactly. He referred to being the poorest family between the two mountains. Did he go and check every, every house in the city of Medina to find that he is the poorest? Right? Did he do that? No. This is based upon what? Most likelihood, right? This is based on most likelihood. To him, right? And how can we say this is permissible then? Even though it may be to the contrary. 
how can we deduce from the hadith that this is permissible? The Prophet did not rebuke him. Exactly. Yes, the Prophet ﷺ approved. He did not rebuke him. He didn't say to him, did you go over, uh, did you go over each town, each house and check it out? But rather he approved of that. You know, in some of the, in some reports, listen to this benefit, in some reports, the man even swore that there is none between the two mountains who is poorer than him. So therefore, another benefit to this benefit, that the permissibility to make an oath based on what the person thinks to be most likely the case. And there is no, no breaking of the oath now, if the oath was on something that passed, and there is no sin upon him if it is for the future. How is this? Listen to this benefit. Some person is talking, talking with other people. So they said that such and such person arrived yesterday. And then he said, in response, Wallahi, by Allah he didn't. Based upon what? What he thinks most likely to be the case. Then it became clear that he arrived. Is there sin on this individual? Is there a sin on this individual by making this oath? No, nothing on him. Nothing. Because he made an oath based on what is most likely to be to him what he believes to be, what he thought to be right. Yeah. Also, the other, the other example, if he is told, uh, such and such person will come tomorrow, and he said, by Allah, he will not, then he arrives. There is no sin on him, and there is no breaking of his oath, again, for the same reason. Now, the next benefit, Islam is a religion of mercy. Where is this deduced from? From this hadith? Because the Prophet said to bring it to his own family, to bring it to the family. No, it is because it is the it is because the expiations, uh, most of the expiations are dispended to the poor. Right? Most of the expiations are dispended to the poor. Because the poor is not he may eat, he may not have dinner, he may have dinner, he may not have lunch no. so is that clear? the second benefit the eagerness of Islam to expiate I'm sorry, the eagerness of Islam to free the slaves how this is deduced that is because the the freeing of the slaves is generally is generally uh, legalized and the Prophet ﷺ incites it and he uh, mentioned that whoever uh, frees a person Allah will free uh, for every part of this free the slave 
a part of the uh, one who frees him from hell fire. This is one. And also the expiation, the expiation uh, had been made for many cases in oaths, in the undeliberate killing, in the vihar, swearing that the wife is like one's mother's back, in the expiation during the, I'm sorry, in the intercourse, uh, yes, in the expiation for the intercourse in the, during the day of Ramadan, all of this so that the, the, uh, the, uh, increases, this increases the number of pathways uh, taken to, to free the slaves. Is that clear? Now, the next benefit is the permissibility to laugh. What is this in the hadith? The Prophet ﷺ laughed. And he used to smile a lot. And if someone asks, is laughing permissible? If there is no reason, the answer, no one thinks that someone would laugh without a reason. Something like someone... Uh, reading and then he laughs uh, or looking then he laughs until something encounters him which will uh, entail laughing and uh, this thing which may entail laughing is it something uh, agreed upon between people? No it may be so for someone but not the case for another it may be that most of the people attending may laugh while others are sitting gloomy and when the Prophet ﷺ told that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala laughs uh, Abu Razim radiallahu anhu uh, a Bedouin he said oh messenger of Allah does Allah the most mighty and most majestic laugh he said yes he said lam nu'dam min rabbin yadhab khayran we will not be deprived of good from a Lord who laughs. Allahu Akbar. A Bedouin on the natural inclination. A Bedouin on the natural inclination. Allahu Akbar. The so we can we so we say therefore that it is permissible to laugh if there is a reason. Otherwise, it will be uh, insanity or lack of etiquette. The permissibility to uh, exaggerate in, in, in laughing because the Prophet laughed until his premolar teeth uh, appeared. And the, the reason for his laughing uh, is amazement from the condition of this person who came afraid in the very beginning. Then at the end, he was eager to uh, leave with all this food with him. You know that? It was just amazing. The status of this individual, you know, he came terrified. He said, I am ruined. When he came, Allahumma salli wa sallam ala Muhammad alayhi salatu wa sallam. From this, there is another benefit that it is permissible uh, that a person may spend the expiation on himself if he is poor. What is the, where is the evidence for this from this hadith uh, the Prophet alayhi salatu was salam 
said to this man, take this and feed it to your family. Is this something questionable or not? You see here the Prophet ﷺ, when he commanded him to feed it to the family as an expiation, is it so or because they are in need having nothing and the one who has nothing there is no expiation on him? Yeah, the answer is the, the second one, no doubt. Now, then we say, suppose that the person can be the place for uh, spending his expiation. But there remains the condition that the one who uh, does this is other than him, not him. Because if we say that he be the one this means we drop the kafara, the expiation. But there is no harm for one to say, if the expiation is done by someone other than him, then there is no harm that it is to be given to him. If someone asks, but this could be weak by way of analogy. How could this be the case? Meaning the person upon whom this expiation is a due is rewarded to be given. So what appears is that the Prophet ﷺ permitted for him to feed it to his family because they were in need having nothing. This is what appears from this narration. The next benefit is the good character of the Prophet ﷺ and receiving him in this way when he came repenting because the Prophet ﷺ did not yell at him nor did he speak ill to him because he came repenting he wanted to free himself from the responsibility and the Prophet ﷺ directed him to that and Allah knows best and in our times if someone comes to ask some of the students of knowledge in our times you will find him angry so angry on him saying you have no shame you don't fear Allah and we say there is a difference between someone who comes repenting and asking for deliverance so we treat him with goodness and openness and receiving from him so that he knows the value and the merit of Islam there's a difference between this and between someone else. Some of the students, when the Shaykh Rahimahullah discussed this matter, of this hadith, asked the Shaykh concerning the status of the woman, the status of the woman, his wife, with whom he had the intercourse during the day of Ramadan. Is there an expiation on her, or is there any makeup? Because she was not mentioned in the hadith. She was not mentioned in the hadith. The answer is yes, this, the woman was not mentioned in the hadith. And the man sought the fatwa, the ruling, uh, in the sense as to what occurred to him. Uh, what he performed, his action. And the woman may have been compelled, and there is nothing upon her. Or she may have been also ignorant also possibly that she may have been not fasting 
Why? Because we read earlier that when the woman becomes pure from her menses during the day of Ramadan, then it is not binding upon her to refrain, according to the correct opinion. So therefore, what's important to know here is that the hadith does not mention the woman, neither in terms of the kafara, obligation or non-obligation. Not even there is a mentioning of whether there is a makeup or no makeup. However, we have the general foundation, the legal, general, the general, the general legal foundation that ما ثبت في حق الرجال ثبت في حق النساء إلا بدليل وما ثبت في حق النساء ثبت في حق الرجال إلا بدليل. Whatever is affirmed in terms of rulings regarding men is also affirmed on women, except, except when there is a dalil and evidence to indicate otherwise. And the opposite is true. What is it, whatever is affirmed regarding the rulings pertaining to women, then also is affirmed upon men, except in case there is a dalil to indicate otherwise. This foundation is applicable in all the rulings legal rulings. So therefore, if this is the case, then it is said, in origin, the woman, if she agrees with the husband, knowing the forbiddance of this action, having no excuse, no legal excuse, as not being forgetful, and not being compelled, then the ruling upon her is the same ruling as that upon the husband. If someone says, if someone says, what about if what about uh, the uh, the situation that she uh, agreed, thinking that it is duty bound upon her to obey her husband in this? Then the question is: Is there expiation and make up on her? The answer is no. Because in this case she is ignorant, thinking that enabling her husband is an obedience to Allah. And this is ignorance. And therefore there is nothing upon her under such a situation. Wallahu ta'ala ala wa alam wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam al-tasleeman kathira. This brings